You may be seated. You know, there's a whole lot more to church than just what you observed this morning. We're thankful for this dynamic worship, you know what I mean? And, you know, the moments in time where the Holy Spirit just kind of directs us. But, uh, you know, as you know that, that, you know, your prayer time and your Bible study time, you know, is a, is a real part, but it's not the only part of your household life. So that's the same with the church. It's, it's, there's many facets, there's many functions and, and uh, uh, elements that go into it. And, uh, uh, you know, we're we planning some of those and you see the importance and, uh, uh, you know, our vision, uh, of course, is, you know, we love the old, but we know we're getting old. So therefore, we are pressing the, the future. And I want to... Uh, uh, while I notice the, you know, the missing people of our own body, I want to acknowledge the visitors this morning and uh, uh, thank you for coming and, uh, you know, we we'll hope to, uh, you know, shake your hand and just get a little bit acquainted to make sure Bible Center Church that you, you know, extend just a, a warm welcome to, to everybody, uh, you know, because I just love, uh, I love people, I love God, and uh, I love our church. I, I really love our church. I'm just so grateful. Uh, yeah, let me see here. Hallelujah. It is a subject matter I want to start this morning, but enlarging your view of God. You know, even though you're a new man in Christ, in your mind, are you still playing old tapes about God? Which might be affecting your view of God in life. What is playing in your mind? Is it enlarging God or, you know, has God through time become less and less, or has it become greater and greater? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Literally, he says we need to be renewed in the picture we have. That's what that is. The, the flow of influence, the picture you have. We have the Old Testament that was producing a picture of God that the children of Israel and of course there were outsiders that were able to get in on the picture and so they had developed a picture of God. Certain characters in the Bible were able to take those same elements and paintings that had happened and, you know, get a larger picture of God. We start out with Noah. He got a pretty good picture of God. Then we moved to Abraham, and Abraham really, you know, moves in the realm of this development of who God was and the picture they had. And yet, 
In between the pages of these great men, we see the pictures that other people have that, you know what I mean? As a result of it, their lives were, and their view of life, you know, caused their life to, you know, be less than what it could be. And so God wants a picture of us, in us, of himself. And so when he sent Jesus Christ, you know, he's really given us an amazing, beautiful picture. In the Old Testament, love and grace and everything is there, but, you know, we don't, it's not clearly apparent. But then all of a sudden when God sends Jesus Christ, we're really getting a picture of his love, his grace, and his mercy, and really how he feels about mankind. And so that picture is, you're here because you got a, a different picture than what you had. You become a believer because you got a, you know, a clearer picture or understanding of God. Everybody hasn't got that clear picture yet. But Jesus, of course, had such an amazing picture of his father, trying to pass it on to us. And we talked a couple weeks ago, you know, about that sonship spirit versus an orphan spirit. As we grow and try to grasp, you know, the sonship, our sonship. And uh, so I want to just take a few moments, if I can, this morning about enlarging our, our, our view of God. Because I'm wondering if it's time for you to throw away that wallet size, crumpled, worn out picture of God. that there needs to be a blow-up. What are they, two-by-threes? No, that's pretty large for a... Is that what they are, two-by-threes, something like that for your wallet? Well, eight-by-tens would do a long ways, wouldn't it, you know? <laughs> How would you start blowing up this view and this, this image that we have of God? And please don't be offended, I, I'm not... I'm not, you know, saying that you don't have a large picture of God. But I know what happens in my life that, you know, I pull it out and, oh, I might look at it, but I don't look at it with the intensity that I should. I don't look at it with the observation that I should. So it's not just size, you know what I mean? It's, it's our perception. It's our perception. Consider the mightiness of the Lord. That the forces of heaven are at his command. Cherubims, seraphims, watchers and holy ones, principalities and powers, all attentive to his will. If our eyes could see into the heavens as the as Elijah the prophet could see, we would see horses of fire and chariots that are all assembled to help us in our warfare and our, our battle. 
This mighty God has the powers of nature. They're all subject to his control. The winds, the tempests, the lightning, the rain, the snow, the soft dews and the warming sunshine, they're all at his beck and call. It's so naturally around us that we no longer sometimes fail to capture the picture that it's a representative of the mightiness of God. Our God is a mighty God. When he talks about looking at nature, the idea is not just so you can enjoy nature, but that you can get a better picture of the greatness of God and the creativity of God, and that a revelation of God would come into our hearts and our our minds. It's amazing that the earth and the skies and all of those things, they're, they're really looking for a word that would describe it. They're, they're kind of of the barracks of God. Camping ground. Light is his banner. Everywhere we see his dominion and his in his his power. What is your picture of God to say today? Because you see, Paul wrote to the Romans and he said this. Paraphrasing, he says that we have, a, we have a tendency to shrink God, you know, to terms that are manageable. Romans 1.23 says, and they changed the image of the incorruptible God into the image of corruptible man. Manageable terms, so to speak. How? And we say, well, that's, that's, that's a scripture for the world out there. But is it possible that somehow we've got a picture that God is his limitations? That he's like man? You know, he himself says that One big difference between man and God is men lie and God doesn't. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's good because you can talk big, but you can't always back up your bigness. God talks big and (laughs) he can back up his bigness. They change it. They change it. The things that we're aware in that life can have an effect up 
upon us. Life can have such an effect upon you that you could find yourself in the same boat as Peter who one day, you know what I mean, ready to take on the Roman army. And the next day, he's saying, I don't know him. God, the creator of the universe. Because see, what you think about God shapes your relationship with him. What you believe about God shapes your faith, your spiritual health, and your physical health. There's a story in the book of Kings. It's a story of famine and a widow and her son. And you're probably very familiar with it. But the day has arisen and She's preparing to die. She has some legitimate reasons. Famine has so struck the land. And she has not been left out of this famine. And so what's left, what she has is she's preparing but not for a future. She's not preparing for a future. Life's response, you know, and our response to have a, have a way of causing us to interpret our outcomes way before the outcomes happen. So what you believe about God shapes your faith. She was fearful. She was vulnerable and she was despairing of the world around her. And some people live that way. They live within the confines of fear. They live vulnerable and despairing the hopelessness of her words that we might eat and die she had an inward focus and we're not faulting her but somebody had to come on the scene to give her a word of hope in a bigger picture See, when you have an inwardly focused life, you never understand how big God really is and what God can do. We become entrapped by past experiences. And those past experiences begin to influence the future and the outlook of life. But past experiences don't need to be indicative of the future. 
God wants to send a word into your life about his mightiness. And not just simply about his mightiness, but by, about his individual concern and care for you. A sparrow cannot fall to the ground except God is aware of it. He's showing you, you know, how detailed he is when it comes to the life of his creation and particularly the life of his own people. One of the first things that Jesus did when when he started his ministry, is started ministering to the daily needs of people. The first voice of, you know, an activity of his mighty power was taking care of their daily needs. It was. He eventually got to the spiritual things, but... He wants you to know that I'm not here just for your spiritual life. I am here for your total life. I'm not here just to get you to heaven. I want you to enjoy your journey to heaven. If you get a picture of God that he's just big, you know, and don't understand the the heart of this big God, you could run scared. Big people can be intimidating. But God wants a proper view of of him. Psalms 40 and 5 says this, Many, O Lord, are the wonders you have done. The things that you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Have you felt like everybody's forgotten you at times? And they may have. You didn't get a phone call at the right time when you really wished it. You could have used a word of encouragement. But the good news is, is that God says that he thinks about you, you know, so often, so frequently, that numbers cannot compute how often he's conscious of you. And the thoughts that he has are not just, you know, oh boy, what a troubled child. Now, thoughts that are, if I can just get them to see, they'll just begin to understand the plans I've got for them that are good. They're looking at a plan of God right there. Yeah. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the captives free. He's just not a big God. He's a personal God. 
And so when we talk about his ability to create and everything is at his disposals, you know, he's really saying, you know, people. I don't have this stuff. I'm not in charge just for myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got to catch it. I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't need all this power just for myself. It's ability and everything at my disposal. We know it's not just for himself because when he starts, you know what I mean, to operate and function in the life of, of his people, all of a sudden we see him taking the stuff and use it on, in behalf of his own. His own. It's amazing. Take, take the, the, the God's use of water. God's power and rule over water. We see his mighty action in water when the rivers stood in the way of the future. He's caused the wind to blow and convert the water bed into dry land. Sometimes in the natural waters are boundaries. But sometimes for God's people the waters are barriers. Our nation uses rivers for boundaries, by and large, for virtually all of our states. I mean, except the real dry ones. <laughs> but you got to catch this. You know, sometimes there's, you know, boundaries, and at other times, they're barriers. And when they come, become barriers for your life, God, who is in charge of the waters, is able to move the barriers to enlarge your boundaries. He took waters and he made them sweet. He had water come out of a stone for Moses and for Samson. The one I'd love to see is an axe head floating on water. I saw something the other night that I, I didn't know. And all you people probably knew it, but I didn't know that you could boil water in a paper cup. How many know that? 
Okay, good. You, have you tried it? It just blew me away. <laughs> I'm talking about open flame. We filled a paper cup with water, set it on the open flame, and left it there, and the flames are just all around it, and it's just heating up, and the paper's not even burning. It showed me something. Only way you keep the world from getting in the inside is to be, have the water of the Spirit on the inside. It don't make any difference how hot it gets. Hallelujah. Is God. But it, the, 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 the fire, just, it just can't, it can't break through. It just can't break through. Jesus said to the woman at the well, John chapter 4, he said, you're drinking from the wrong fountain. I've got a fountain that you can drink of that is going to quench your thirst. And it's not that you'll never want to drink again, but you're going to keep coming back to it. You won't switch fountains. You'll keep coming back to the same fountain. Call it the water of life. Ask my musicians to come because I have to close. It's getting, getting, you know. Let me close with this, a couple things, just seven things. Seven wonders concerning the word of God. Because the word reveals the awesomeness of God and so therefore, read it. Read it. The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. I mean, aren't those all the things that we want in life? Really, they are. The commands of the Lord are radiant and giving light to the eyes. And My... The awesomeness of God, trying to bring it down in terms of relate to and right in our sphere and the, the wonders of inspiration. 1,600 years. Over 1,600 years was written. How many know we don't have the same person writing the book? Written over 1,600 years, three continents, and 40 different writers. Our God is an awesome God. The wonder of its formation. 66 books, you know this, but 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. Three different languages, Hebrew, Arabic, and Greek. All the writers yet give a unified portrait of God's plan and God's purpose. The wonders of its preservation. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. What is so unique and so wonderful about this word, and though it has been preserved, penned and preserved on paper, kingdoms have tried to wipe out the printed word. It's been ordered totally off the planet by the powers that would be. And yet, it's translated in 2,000 languages in every continent in, in the earth. It's not just preserved in printed pages. You know where it's preserved? God says, I'm going to write it on the tablets of your heart. My, it's been hated, but it's still survived. The wonder of its design. It's a two-edged sword. It's a hammer. It's a mirror. It's a fire. It's a lamp that illuminates it. The wonder of its power. Things are existing and consisting today continue to flow in its order all because of God's word. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He did not say by the power of his word, but by the word of his power indicating the word is all the power. The word is all the power. You release the word into your life and you're going to release power into your life. Power, the power of the word. Nothing will change your life like the word of God. Read it. Read it. Charles Spurgeon said this, preach the word, let it out of its cage and wonders begin to take place. It's not just any word that has the power of life. It's the word of God that has the power of life. In the beginning was the word. He starts with the word. The wonder of its message. Have to stop. The wonder of its promises. How many are Bible readers? Don't raise your hand and lie now. <laughs> I 
come across. It's okay. See, you, you, yeah, yeah, no, okay, yeah. I, that wasn't meant to be a trick question, you know what I mean? I, I just blow it. But, I mean, okay, let, let's do it this way. I mean, if you don't have it in your heart, you need to read it off the page. Hello? But some of you has probably got it so, so much in your heart, it, you just flip the pages of your heart. I mean, it should always read, but. Whenever I find myself just a little bit down, all I got to do is open the book. And it just changes my view in the picture that is overpowering me at a given time. Stand with me today. That song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. The things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think that's the key. To have the proper portrait in your billfold about God. Because he is the express image of the almighty God. You know, as you leave and as we go, I want you to take a look at the old portraits that you have. And pull out the Bible. Or, you know, if you can't pull out the Bible, grab a hold of somebody who's got a real picture of God and how sit down with them and let them help in your vision. See, when God set things up and all the feasts, you know, and all the monuments, it was for them to remember so they could keep a proper portrait of God. Keep a proper portrait. Hell, what does this stand for? And the feast they would tell them, and it would increase their visual. Father, as we leave this morning, as we go this week, we pray that, that our portrait that we have of you will be enhanced, God, and will be enlarged. Let it be magnified. God, strip away the airs that we have and let us be renewed with a fresh picture of the totalness of you and the loveliness of you the awesomeness and power of you in Jesus name Amen